London. Sixty minutes is all it took to bring humanity to the very brink of extinction. Mankind mobilized. A new age arose. The age of the great predator cities. Survival of the fastest. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hey, watch out! Valentine. This is for my mother. Well, Chris and Tom are looking at some movies. The biggest bombs the world has ever seen. But do they suck or are they really groovy? Will Tom and Chris be nice or mean? But do these films deserve humiliation? Of being called the worst flicks around Millions in PR couldn't save them But do they deserve the loser's lounge? Episode 4, Mortal Engines, 2018 Cities in traction, box office in action Hello and welcome to Not the Losers Lounge. I it's am definitely Chris... not the Losers Lounge. <laughs> definitely not. I am Chris Tyler, aka the Hand Metal Hero, and I am here as always with the always lovable Thomas DJ, Captain of the HMS New York, <laughs> Thomas DJ. Yes, and uh, we have a peculiar film to talk about today. That's one way to put it. That's yeah. It's <laughs> it, it is peculiar. Um, a a film that was supposed to come out in 2010, but didn't come out till 2018. Well, 2010 would make a little more sense considering the book was published in 2001. <laughs> so I, was, yeah. I was doing my research for this. I was like, wow, it took them almost 20 years to get. Well, okay, all right. But, but what um, is this? <laughs> what are we watching? We watched it, so you don't have to. We are talking about the um, 2018 film Mortal Engines, the fourth biggest box office failure of all time. But before we do, let's start that drum roll because we have a new member of the biggest box office failures club. Lay it on me. Okay. Black Adam! Yeah. It's, uh... Well, it depends on who you're listening to, right? (laughs) Yeah. Black Adam, which had a budget of... Just give me a second. Ah, crap. Black Adam had... It had had to have been at least $180 million. Yeah, it was a big... Uh, 190 to 260 million dollars estimated budget, and so far it has earned itself a grand total of about 50 to 100 million dollars. <sighs> that's rough. Yeah, that's pretty rough. But I mean, and, and look, I I I enjoy Dwayne Johnson. I enjoyed him in the ring. I enjoy a lot of his performances in movies. I don't think he's your leading man. And fair play, I did watch this once it hit streaming. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was, um, but I was not antsy for a sequel at the end of it. So, but I'm also I'm also I'm also a Black Adam Mark though, and he was not nearly as much of a bastard in this as he should have been. I think there were a number of factors, one of which is, of course, that um, HBO slash Warners took that time when this film was released to officially go bugfuck Nazi cuckoo. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. What are you going to do? And um, I think that the fact that that 
Dwayne Johnson had been banging the drum for this film for years upon years. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it was part of the Snyderverse at a time when it was obvious to everybody but Snyderverse fans and you know who you are uh, that this wasn't going to take. But, yeah. uh, hey. I mean, uh, you know, strip away the connection to the Snyderverse or whatever else you might have there. It's, yeah. uh, I think it deserves to do a little bit better. It was not the greatest comic book movie of all time. Um, I was never bored watching it. So, uh, there you go. So, um, so yes, so welcome to the club, Black Adam. <sighs> we will get to you in our own, in our own sweet time. <laughs> yes. Yes, and we're, of course, the other thing that this film is notable for is that this is the film that Dwayne Johnson convinced Henry Cavill to give up The Witcher for, only for him to lose his job the next week. Yeah. Uh, eh, I'm you back, know. baby! Oh, wait, I'm not? Okay. Uh, I'm not going to shed any tears over him. He's got plenty of money, and he can do whatever he wants to do. But uh, okay. yeah, I, I, I would have I, look. I would have loved to have seen him in a in a in a quote unquote traditional Superman film. I think he would. I think he would have knocked it out of the park if given the opportunity. But uh, yeah, until until Warner's gets their head out of their asses, um, I don't know what they're going to do. It, it, you, you, they need to keep going with the previous cast, or you just got to start brand new and do nothing well, even remotely connected to anything and give it a couple of years of cool down. Uh, so. th th that's what um, James Gunn is planning on doing because his the new Superman film that he's touting is uh, going to be feature a younger Superman, but they're not planning on giving it a few years. Well, uh, yeah, again... You got you got to you got to make some people you know up above you happy with getting stuff done. Which fair play, that's that's the world that we live in in terms of create creative properties. But I, I would want them to cool everything down for a little while. But who knows when this will even come to fruition? So, and now after this cat break, we will begin our discussion of Mortal Engines. I'll be right back. Take your time. Hey there, people of Earth. We, Mashinra, have consented to aid you in repelling the Shimko and regaining your freedom. We ask your cooperation and allow us access to your resources and manpower. We call to all able-bodied humans to join us in the Earth Defense Force and promise we will use our technology to optimize you to fight back against those dastardly invaders. Together, their intention is to take over our planet and convert you into their pawns in a continuing march of intergalactic conquest. They want our resources to enrich their own society, and they want you to become their soldiers so they won't have to get their hands dirty. People have died uncovering the truth, and we, the United Human Alliance, call for a planetary revolution to repel these cybernetic creatures, restore our freedom, and make sure that these needless deaths were meaningful. I am Arlene Harper. Here on Planet R Radio is where you will find the real story. Stay tuned to this frequency for further reports on this domination from space. Domination from Space, coming in 2023 from 8TW Theater Works. Episodes will be available on 2TrueFreaks.com, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, PodBay, and wherever quality podcasts are available for streaming. For further information, please go to 8TWTheater.blogspot.com. Here we are. This is the first non-period piece. I guess so. We have done on this list. 
Uh, this is actually a post-apocalyptic film, even though it's very, very steampunk. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things that I was jiving with for the first half of the movie. I, I mean, in terms of the production design and everything, like there's, you're not going to find fault there. It looks like a million bucks, which clearly it was, because you know it lost a lot of money. Uh, I, I've never, I've never been into the steampunk thing. Um, mm -hmm. That wasn't, that wasn't a thing weighing against my view of it when I watched it. It just felt like, it felt like there was a lot of stuff that we didn't know about that we. I mean, it, it feels like it should have been like an eight-episode series on HBO or yeah, Netflix um, or something. I, I I was having a lot of stuff thrown at me real fast. It, it was a... The, the announced final budget was $110 million. Which is relatively low for what they were able to manage visually with the flick, so... Eh. The worldwide gross was 83 Point seven million dollars. Yeah, that's a loss. For a grand total of an estimated loss of a hundred and eighty-nine million dollars. Yeah, that's not going to look too good on your general ledger. No. Um. The thing was I, that th this is this is a young adult novel from two thousand and one. Uh And it definitely has the feel of a young adult novel adaptation from 2010. For sure. Which is when the film, 2010, 2011 was when the film was supposed to come out because uh, Peter Jackson bought the rights to the book in 2009. Okay. But it had got delayed and delayed and delayed and uh, did not actually reach our shores till the the um, year two PP pre-pandemic. <laughs> um, and whew, what what how did we describe this? Well, there was a war. It lasted about an hour. Yeah. Um, and they used something that was very, very bad in doing it. Yeah, it's pretty vague. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's it's quantum something somethings. I uh, yeah I I I couldn't I couldn't tell you Thomas. There was yeah. Uh, I, I'm having oh. a feeling like some of this probably worked better on the page. Mm-hmm. Well, you said the pro. The problem with adapting any novel is that when you have 300, 400, 500 pages, you can go into a lot more detail about your world than when you have only, in this case, two hours of real estate. Yeah. And they tried, and I don't know if they succeeded. Uh, I'll, you know what? I'll take a firm stance on that. Uh, I don't feel like they succeeded. Okay. Um, some of this back matter really should have been show, not tell. Even if it was just two or three minutes, not a text crawl, just two or three minutes. Right. You know, put the sepia tone on it. Have, have whatever happens, scene? happens, and then let's go forward. Yeah. Wasn't that the opening scene? The, the world is now uh, is now a post-apocalyptic landscape, and cities are now giant trucks. Yeah, I mean the design was. I if that's how it started, I honestly don't even remember it. Yeah, it starts. It starts with London taking over a small barbarian village. Uh, yeah. See, this is how much of an impact it made on yeah. me. Not much. However. Uh, and, and I gotta admit, like I said, the first I, unlike yourself, I love steampunk stuff. I love that aesthetic. And so I was kind of digging it for the first half an hour or so. And then, of course, uh, the giant Frankenstein shows up. I did like that. And I'm like, ooh, cool, a giant Frankenstein. So this makes me like it, the film even more. 
So I'm like, okay, so we got steampunk cities rolling around like we're doing roller derby. And there's a giant Frankenstein. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's visually, it's visually impressive. Uh, but it's, I, you know, honestly, by the time we got to the blander than bland teenage quote-unquote teenage leads in this i just i i was getting nothing dude like i and it's and i and i don't think it's the actor's fault honestly um and i'm a peter jackson mark like i i I dig most of the stuff that he's been involved in but him and and fran and philippa uh whatever magic they usually have Mm -hmm. when it comes to adaptation and writing i did not feel in this screenplay at all (laughs) well i can tell you the exact moment it turned on me okay when they killed off the giant frankenstein okay shortly after they revealed the fact that the giant frankenstein had the character's name is shrike he's played by of course one of my favorite uh character actors of all time Fan, I've been a fan since the 80s when he was on a, a TV show called Crime Story, uh, Stephen Lang. And it's revealed that Stephen Lang raised Hister Shaw. And I was like, oh, okay, because I already figured out the, the big twist about Hester's fa- you know, Hester's natural father pretty early on. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So we're going to get uh, we're going to get this whole discussion of these two father figures, one of which is her natural father and who is a monstrous individual, and the other one who is a monstrous individual, but who is actually quite loving towards her. Yeah, more human than he thinks he is. And he lets I, and I figured, okay, so that's going to be a theme. What it, you know, nature versus nurture, and, um, who is the true monster? I'm like, okay. I, and I'm like, I'm down for that. And then they kill him off. Yeah, my my interest level waned more <laughs> more than it had earlier in the flick. When that yeah. It was like I felt some of the some of the intrigue with this film just went out of me after that because I'm like so then what's this movie about exactly? Yeah, I I don't I honestly don't know. <laughs> it's I mean I, I think I, that there's there's some something that they're trying to say about colonialism. Um there's something to be said about that that's trying to be said about, you know, obvious war bad. Yep. But the film kind of... I don't want to make the joke that Shrike was probably the most interesting character and they killed him off too early. Oh, it's not a joke. Okay. But (laughs) it just... it, It kind of lost the momentum for me. And on top of that... And let me tell... I began doing something um, that I don't like doing when I'm watching a movie. I started rewriting it. (laughs) Okay. And I started going, uh, oh, what is this? Oh, yes. Why do we even have Beavis in the first place? You know, yeah. Beavis is, I don't know who you're going, who? Beavis was the character that um, Tom, who's our he- one of our hero, and uh, Catherine uh, encounter in the underground at the very beginning of the film. Yes. And there's, Beavis doesn't like Tom, and Tom doesn't like Beavis. And when Tom is separated from London. Beavis and Catherine team up to find out what's going on in St. Paul's Cathedral. Except 
the minute they enter the secret passage to go into St. Paul's Cathedral, Beavis disappears. <laughs> Literally disappears from the film. I mean, I don't think it's even mentioned after that. Yeah. Uh, it, plot device. It's like, and I was sitting there going like, Why? What was Beavis's purpose? And I, I wonder if it's the case of Beavis was a major character in the book. Mm. So they felt they had to include him somehow. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't tell you on this one. <laughs> I've never Although, to be fair, um, the the writer of the, the book uh, said there were a lot of changes made but he was very pleased with the results. Oh, that's nice, at least. Yeah. So, uh, but... And I was like, why didn't they just let Catherine do all the stuff on the ship? Because at least we we got to know her a little yeah. bit. So we got, you know, we got invested in her a little bit. Um, And I'm, then I'm like... Why are we, why do we, were we deprived of a Shrike versus that Thaddeus Valentine is the name of the villain in this film. Why were we deprived of a scene between the two of them? Other than, of course, Thaddeus finding him in a box and him going, I want his to show. Well, because because we had to have the let's do Star Wars, but not as good as Star Wars end scene. And and they never quite explain why it's okay. I think I understand why from looking at the looking at the movie, but maybe they should have spent a line of dialogue explaining why the quote unquote opposing force to lead to the, the great city ship of London is called the Anti-Traction League. I mean, I kind of picked up on that. They don't have the big trucks in there, so they don't have the traction, the wheels, the tank yeah. treads. I mean, I, I thankfully I was smart enough to pick that up. but I mean, That's what I figured, but I'm like, it would probably have helped if because the first time they mentioned the anti-traction league which is very early on when we see first see a picture of anna fang i'm like the what league <laughs> yeah i mean the language... friction what yeah the, the, the terminology isn't great but i mean it's it's you know kind of, uh, it when you're crafting any super fantasy world like this it's right. you know you've got two choices do you make it as obvious as possible um or do you try to make it so i don't know it, it's it's not it's not worse than one of the movies that i really dig which is the the chronicles of riddick movie where the you know um mm -hmm. the planets have the worst names possible but you know oh, god it's i i i, I think I, I maybe making it has you know has let's say like a four part like four hour four part mini series on uh, HBO Max it, yeah, or it, Netflix or Amazon Prime or something might have been better to give them a little extra time for the world building. Yeah, I mean, your first episode should it be it should be forty five to fifty five minutes, and it would be the back. You do the sixty minute war and give us just a little bit of the intro to you know all those characters. You, you don't necessarily even need to show anything villainous yet from anybody. Right. Just introduce us to the characters. The end of your second episode is Hester stabbing uh, Elrond and falling down the chute and then that's mm -hmm. your cliffhanger oh shit is she gonna be alive and then your next episode you know it's right it, the the serialization of it kind of writes itself um but 
do you know who they wanted to cast before they settled on Hira Hilmer as the main character? Hester Shaw. Yes, no I just say it that way because that's how it. Oh, started. you know what? Let me put my studio brain on here for a second. Um, Hugo Weaving's daughter. No, oh, I wish. <laughs> I know. I know. Samara Weaving is lovely. I I I ha, I I get all gushy. I I've been love with Samara Weaving, and, and she's actually his niece. But, niece. But, yes. Well, that would have still yeah. But I mean, that kind of would have made some sense. But right, no, lay it on me. Who who did they want to cast initially? Gwen Stefani. I might have put more butts in seats. I'd have put more, and in, in, in 2009, when you know, when they were originally planning on do on on starting filming, that I think might have worked. Yeah, but in 2018, I think she'd be a little too old. Yeah, I mean she's not that old, but yeah, I yeah, see that. <sighs> but um. Yeah, it's just after that point, after that point where Shrike dies on the, the the sky station thingy, the film seems to lose what little momentum it had. And then we are introduced to the the home of the anti-traction league, although we're asked then from then on to call it Rushan. Sure. Was that supposed to be the Great Wall of China? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if the story was smart enough for that. <laughs> and don't worry, folks. We'll be getting to the Great Wall of China in a later episode because that film is still on the list. Oh boy. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't. Like I said, I don't think the script was the story was that smart. <laughs> If that's what they were going for, I think it was just here's the uh, here's the place where we don't have the big trucks and uh, just leave us alone. Oh, but but I gotta say though, I think though if it was if it was film if it was released filmed and released in the early half of the teens when. The team, the team, the teen novel adaptation boom was still booming a little yeah. bit. It was starting to die down. The echoes were beginning to diminish, but it was still a popular genre. Yeah. Um, I think this film would probably have done better. Yeah, and it probably wouldn't have cost as much <laughs> they would have found some other way to for you know they would have been able to do it for less money i guarantee you and it, it's just something just kind of damn squibby about that final act with everybody fighting everybody else and i'm like one character makes this like noble sacrifice and i'm like why <laughs> you know yeah i it, 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 it's which is particularly bad for this character because this character, she tells us she has this tragic backstory in like a sentence. Yeah, that's all everybody gets is a sentence in this. Most people will get it except for Hester Shaw. Hester Shaw and Shrike get more than a sentence, as does uh, Thaddeus Valentine. But. Most other people, it's just, I wanted to be a pilot. <laughs> I, I, I should not be, you know, Robert Sheehan did a good, did a fair job as Tom. Yeah, I but, mean, there wasn't anything wrong with it. I just, the character in and of itself wasn't particularly interesting. And he wasn't, I mean, with what was on the page... I don't feel like he was giving it anything extra that I was going to care about. Hell, Catherine was more interesting because of uh, her relation to Thaddeus. Yeah. And I'm surprised. She also kind of drops out of the film for most of it. 
which is kind of weird because if we're talking once again if we're talking about Hester's character arc we have Hester and Catherine as two sides of the same person if yeah. you will yep. just like we have Thaddeus and Shrike but nothing's made of it and I know this is nitpicking but you know what else I would have liked um, I would have liked for them to have made Shrike look a little more like Stephen Lang. Um, I didn't have a problem with that. I I, I, I dug the design. It was in keeping with yeah. the the reality that they were going for. Um, well, how he, can you resist a steampunk Frankenstein? I, I can't. I even like the design in the in the Van Helsing movie, and that movie's not particularly good. But I'm also a Frankenstein I think guy, so we, I don't know if, if that is we're ever going to get to that one. I think that one fell off the list. But yeah, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I don't I don't hate that flick. <laughs> that was, and, and yeah, it, part of the problem is, and it's it's a problem with all CGI, is that. CGI is capable of aging a lot quicker than practical effects. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I mean, the further on in the timeline we go, you know, in the next 10, 15 years, I'm sure, the, you know, the, what it looks like will be, will probably hold up to the test of time. Uh, but again, we're also of a certain vintage. Like, it's, I know for a lot of younger people, you try to put something on with practical effects, and they're oh, this looks fake. And it's like, well, at least the shadow, yeah. at least the shadows are real on it. Um, yeah. And again, that's just that's just a generational thing. Um, mm. At the end of the day, though, if your story is working, then the effects really shouldn't matter too much. Mm-hmm. I think another reason why this film did as poorly as it did was that. Uh, it opened the same week as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and in the sec- its second weekend, it also had to contend with Aquaman, Mary Poppins Returns, and Bumblebee. They're all kind of fighting for the same demo there, exactly. all of those movies. Exactly. And um, considering that the critical reaction was mixed... And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, everybody was, was practically orgasming over. It's a good, it's a great film, guys. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not. I I'm love the hell out of it. <laughs> I'm not being nasty to it. I'm just saying, though, that the reaction to that film was so, so very. I mean, at first I was like, oh, this is, is kind of cool. This is, but it, it, it doesn't, follow, it doesn't keep, it doesn't follow up on, on its premise. Yeah, it, it doesn't have enough time to, to do what it really wants to do, which is get you more invested in, in that world and in those characters. Right. It's not like, if, if you said it's Mad Max only with giant city trucks. Yeah, and and if you tell me that, I'd be like, "Ooh, okay," but that execution was not where it needed to be. Of course, now I'm I'm thinking of like a um, monster truck show with cities <laughs> like crushing smaller towns and stuff. <laughs> and here's London Zilla. Oh yeah, Truckosaurus. Yeah. So I, I gotta tell you the truth. I know that you're more. I know that your vote on the scale is firm. Yeah, I'm pretty firm on this one. I'm not sure. Well, uh, I, I, I so mean, that, I, and I can and I can understand that if you're into the steampunk thing, or if you're into, you know. Just if you're one of those people that just any fantasy world that pops up, you want to give it a chance. Like, I, I get it because uh, I used to be like that as a kid. Now, as I get older, it's all right. Well, eh, what am I going to spend my time with? Um, but that's, you know, that's fine. So what we should, of course, go over the scale. Yes. Even though our scale is not as complicated as some other scales on this network, it is still <laughs> different. 
which is our scale. We grade films on a scale that goes see it, don't see it, eh, and fuck y'all. All right. Um, I'm not going to. I can't go fuck y'all. Um, no, no, no. It's, I really it's... can't go see it either. Um, uh-huh. But again, if you're into this kind of thing, it it'll probably will tickle your fancy. So I'll, I'll give it a meh. For me, okay. it was meh. I, I'm not. Look, a lot of time and money and effort was put into it. It looks like a million bucks. So it's not like it's one of these things where everything went off the rails from the jump. It is just a matter of. It, it makes me wonder, this is one of these films, and I, I see these a lot, like, in, in the last ten years, where it's op, it's objectively, it is a competently made film, it's just lifeless. Bingo. That's the word. Deuces, that's what they were called, apparently, the, the quantum weapon thing that, they, that he hit shooting... At the Great Wall of China, that probably wasn't the Great Wall of China. They were called Medusas. Oh yes. <sighs> but yeah, I'm kind of torn between a fairly high meh and a fairly low see it. And I think this evening, on that uh, that we've been talking about it. I think I'm going to head towards the very high meh. Okay. Is I... that, as we said, it's it's competent, it looks good, but there's a lot missing. Yeah, I, I guess overall that's my biggest complaint. I feel like it's I feel like it's half a story. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you know that they were they were hoping that there would be a sequel. Or a trilogy, or yeah, I don't even mean in terms of follow-ups. I mean just in terms of this first act. It felt like yeah, it was missing half a movie. Okay, here's okay, okay. I'm, I'm looking at the plot, and they talk about the sixty-minute war, and they and in the plot they're, they're they're talking about traction, explaining what traction cities are in the plot summary. They explain what municipal Darwinism is. And I did not know that um, the continent of Europe, of continental Europe, was considered the great hunting ground. I don't think anyone mentions that. Uh, I certainly didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, this this one I'm just I'm not enthused by. I'm just not really as enthused by as I thought I was going to be as I was watching the first twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean it's a shame because you know there's there's some decent cast members in there, and mm-hmm. you like I said, usually when Philippa Boynes and Fran Walsh try to adapt something, they usually are pretty good about getting to the heart of what something is, whether it's character-wise or thematically mm-hmm. and i just i just i just did not feel that in this um uh, so uh i, I don't know it, it, not everything's going to be a winner <laughs> so. yeah yeah I, but th- that's the problem with that's the problem with films today is that everything has to be a winner yeah well, when you pump two hundred million, you know, one hundred eighty million dollars, one hundred one million dollars into something, you, it, it yeah. kind of does have to be a winner. But it's it's okay to do something, even something this kind of grand, on a less expensive sale, sale scale. Yeah, if you did it with practical effects, it probably wouldn't have cost yeah. as much. It might not have looked as nice, but it certainly like, wouldn't have cost. For example, did we need the the sequence? With the scavengers. Eh, not really. Not really. Other than that, that's the that's the roundabout way they get uh, our heroes in contact with um, Anna Fang. Yeah. And was I the only one who kept expecting they might be giants every time they they called the, called our Anna Fang? <laughs> And a fang and I are getting old, and we still have it. Well, sorry, that's great. Uh, so, so yeah, so it's a, it's 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 yeah. At least it didn't end on a cliffhanger. 
Yeah. I think that would have pissed me off. I would have thrown stuff. <laughs> I would have gone. I would have gone full Fred Durst on this movie. That's <laughs> never go full Fred Durst. You never go full Fred Durst. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture you with a, a red baseball cap on backwards right now, Tom. It's just one of those days. Oh man! Oh lord! And yeah. Then, of course, but at my age, if I'm going full Fred Durst, I guess I'm making movies where Devin Sawa talks about how great Limp Biscuit was. Oh god! I, have no, I know nothing about this. I was not a Limp Biscuit guy. I, you know what? I don't. I don't need to know anymore. Limp Biscuit was not very good. Not really my cup of tea either. But Fred Durst, Fred Durst once wanted to make movies. Fair enough. So when Limp Biscuit started to wind down the first time, he actually got his ass in gear and started making movies. And in one of those movies, the the fanatic with John Travolta, there is a scene where Devin Sawa's character and his I think it's his daughter go into you know are, are driving somewhere. And he puts Limp Biscuit on, and it thus re- results in about three or four minutes of Sour talking about how great Limp Biscuit was. Oh, for crying out loud! I'm not making this up. It's it's. it's... Oh, I don't think you're making it up. It sounds exactly like something that he would do. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Just, All right. We've just introduced a new a new phrase into the lexicon of two true freaks. The full durst. Uh, it's that it, it's the same problem whenever somebody does a self-insert or a Mary Sue like that's yeah. the that's the the washed up rock star equivalent of it fantastic well, talk, talk about Mary Sue's and, and inserting yourself into things do you know where we're going next uh, I can't even imagine you like pirates Chris um, it it depends. Uh, Rennie Harlan and his then wife Gina Davis thought they could do no wrong, and they liked pirates. Yeah, they were just about twenty years too early. And so they decided to make a film in nineteen ninety five called Cutthroat Island. Sorry, yeah. Gina Davis is a pirate. And well. We are going to revisit it almost 30 years to the date. All right. To see if it deserves to be called. Yes, it does deserve to be called one of the biggest box office failures of all time. But does it deserve to be called a bad movie? We, we will find out. We I haven't seen out. it in years, so I'm looking forward to uh, revisiting it. I also know there's another thing you there's a, a thing I know you like, Chris. Oh boy, and that's barbarians. Hell yeah. Okay, that's why you are going to be coming down to the secret lab my secret laboratory at an undisclosed location for on February first to help me and Lab Monkey Chris Honeywell oh talk about. The first film made by a man who recently passed away, Albert Pune. R.I.P. Namely, The Sword and the Sorcerer. Starring Bull! Hell yeah! Yes! Everybody loves Bull! And, and there is, of course, a bunch of, of Gen Zers going, who? Night Court. Night Court. Look it up. Yes. There, there once was a show called Night Court. Or House. Was... The movie House. Rent it. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, or, of course, um, Metal Storm, the Destruction of Jared Sin. Or, or Two-Face on Batman the Animated Series. Look, you, you don't have to twist my arm to get me to watch. Okay. To watch but, it. Uh, but, yes, so uh, that's going to be out on February 1st. And then, of course, midway through the month, we'll come back and set sail with Gina, who I used to think was quite lovely. You gotta be careful with her. She's an Olympic archer, man. 
We, we could do an all-star. If Hollywood decided to become an Olympics team, they could do. They could feel the team. Yeah, Gina Davis, Jason Statham. And, and, and let's not forget um, Dolph Lundgren. And Dolph Lundgren, yes. Dolph Lundgren, the fencer. Uh, so, let's, that's a movie. Let's make that. that, that yeah. Dolph Lundgren, Gina Davis, and Jason Statham. We'll just—it'll just be the Space Jam model, just without the cutesy aliens. Aliens come down, and they have to—they want their their alien champions want to—they try to take away all the all the athletes. We'll literally just do Space Jam, and, and then yeah. it's only actors that are left because they think you know actors are soft, which they are, uh, yes. and. Uh, and then they, uh, yeah, it's the same thing. It's great. I love it. And they'll just say with Jason, and, and, and Jason Dwayne Statham Johnson. kicking guys and, and giving one line is, is he's dispatches yep. of the aliens. And like Dwayne Johnson and uh, um, Goldberg. Oh, no, we're not putting Goldberg anywhere near anything. Okay, okay. No so, Goldberg. So Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> counts as an athlete because he was he was a he was a football player sure was so but yes yeah, so so we got a movie so um so yes so chris where can you be found um if you're looking for me uh i can be found on the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror with chris honeywell and dem jack and eddie boys luke and jay yeah, we usually get about an episode out a month for that. Uh, I think our that, episode... Uh, the last it? one that dropped was Black Phone. What's coming That's up the next? Uh, next? All right, I'll, I'll tease it right here. Uh, you know, in, in celebration of, uh, of Black History Month, we're going to be doing Tales from the Hood. Ah, uh, yes. That's shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, My favorite line... In the entire film, <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time. I remembered really enjoying it. I can't wait to rewatch it for the discussion that I'll be having with everybody. And you well, can I, also... I love portmanteau films. I love them. Oh, anthologies are great. So, um, and and I'm on and I'm on the the ATW. I'm on the Architect of Gunagun Theater Works with you, Tom. Doing fact, silly you're voices. one of the stars of our upcoming production, which should start broadcasting in middle February Fantastic. Domination from Space a sequel to Warning from Space so you know who's coming back everybody's favorite giant starfish yes looking forward to it I ran into I, I, I went into a Wendy's that's a joke in and of itself I went into a Wendy's <laughs> and I ran into a father and daughter and the daughter was had a Godzilla figure, a big Godzilla figure, and a Batman figure, and she had Batman riding Godzilla. Hell yeah. And I'm like, I, I passed this, I said, that is the coolest damn thing I've seen all day. And that started us into a conversation, because the, the kid was kaiju crazy. She loves right. kaiju. Fantastic. And I said, you know... I'm doing a play right now with a giant kaiju in it. <laughs> and his name is Moji, and he's a starship. He, he, he's a starfish. And she's like, like Starro! Yeah, cooler than Starro. Yeah. I got more swagger. I don't have to put my face my, my face on anybody else. My butt on somebody's face to talk. <laughs> That's exactly. Smell my butt! <laughs> Now that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna see every time I when we go we're gonna have to revisit that at some point, which I'm not <laughs> I'm not objecting to because that's actually the better of the two Suicide Squad movies. But every Marginally. time I see the starfish on people's faces, I'm gonna be thinking, "Smell my butt." <laughs> Pick a <Nice>. good whiff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's what we do here. And um, I, I got to set up a, a Gmail for people to send comments to this show because we want to know what you thought of Mortal Engines if you saw it. Chances are you didn't. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it. Exactly. But um, 
I'm go- I'm going to do that. So so starting next episode, we will have uh, a dedicated Gmail so people could send in letters. And um, we're still looking for a uh, a sign off. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be yet. If you got ideas, send them in once we get that Gmail working. So so until next month. This giant monster city truck is out of fuel. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.